are listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast produced by students and staff at the University of Southern California's Christian Challenge student ministry. We seek to connect and equip students to know Jesus, live lives honoring to Him, and make Him known to their community. Learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or connect with us on social media at USC Challenge. Welcome to Challenge! We've been talking this semester in Challenge about being all in. Um, and what we mean by being all in, we're going to put it up on a slide here in a second, is living life in such a way that we glorify God and living life in such a way that others may live as well. Last week, Jeremy talked about how living this life starts with knowing God. And tonight, what we're going to be talking about is loving God. Now, loving God has been a, uh, a personal, I would say, topic for me recently. You know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about being a laborer for Christ. And as we were praying and, and reflecting on the uh, the message and, and what the next step would be, uh, or what the next step would be for me, uh, the Spirit brought to mind something that I didn't really expect. Uh, the Spirit brought to mind, you need to love God more. Now, that may seem like a strange thing for a Christian to have to work on. You know, I've been walking with God now for 10 years, you would think that I have gotten that down or at least have some sort of understanding of it. I hope I do, but um, that's what came to mind. You need to love God more. That's your next step from this message on, on being a laborer. Um, it, and I think for, for us Christians, uh, loving God is something that seems obvious. Uh, I think if we were to ask anyone here uh, on this Zoom call who said they were a Christian, if you love God, you would say, yeah, of course, without, without hesitation. But I also think at the same time, it might be a little hazy sometimes in our minds on what that actually looks like. Uh, do you need to feel a warm feeling in your heart when you think of God? Uh, do you need to be doing a specific action? Uh, do you need to date God? Is that quiet time? Is that what that's all about? Uh, I think a lot of time we have a general idea that loving God is good. Yeah, we should love God. I'm a Christian. I love God. Uh, but we aren't really clear on what that means specifically. Um, and, you know, that, that's kind of where I found myself as I, as I was reflecting on, on that message a few weeks ago and, and what the Spirit brought to mind. You know, what, what would it look like for me to love God more? Where would I even start? Uh, I thought I was doing a pretty good job at that being a Christian, but maybe not. Um, so tonight, I really want to try to clear that up. And let's take a look at uh, what Scripture actually says on the topic. Um, specifically, not in a general sense, what does this uh, Scripture actually say loving God looks like? And I, I'm going to share just some verses that have been really helpful for me recently and, and, and thinking about this and, and evaluating this in my own life. Um, and, and I want to start off with the question of why. Why should we love God? Why is that? Again, maybe it's obvious, but why? I think if we don't have a firm uh, understanding of why, all the rest of it isn't going to make sense. So um, if you look in Matthew chapter 22, you see that Jesus uh, gives us a great example on why we should love God. And he is asked this question, teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Um, and so you find that the answer to why is we are actually commanded to do this by Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus refers to this as the great commandment. And it is quite a commandment if you look at it. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Literally with your entire being, we are called to love God. 
Now, if that were the only thing that the Bible said on the matter, that would be answer enough. We wouldn't need any explanation as followers of Jesus. If Jesus says this is the great commandment, we ought to heed that and follow that. We ought to love God. We don't really need anything else. But if you dig into this statement, you see there's more to this than just Jesus said so. And that would be enough. But there is a little more going on. Jesus is actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. And for those of you who haven't read Deuteronomy, um, what it is is a set of sermons that were given by Moses right before he died to the people of Israel, right before they entered into the promised land. Um, and in, in, in Deuteronomy, uh, Moses spends a lot of time reminding the Israelites of what God had done in the past. Uh, freeing them from slavery in Egypt, and then helping them as they went through the wilderness. He reviews the Ten Commandments. It's a lot of review on, on who God is, what he's done, and what has happened to the Israelites in their history so far. And then in verse 5, we see the commandment that uh, Jesus gives right here. And before that, in, in, in the beginning of chapter 6, Moses really builds up this commandment in his uh, speech to the Israelites. Let's take a look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, the beginning of it. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you and land flowing with milk and honey. So you can see there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hype to this commandment that is coming. Moses is really building it up. Do this all the days of your life. Teach this to your kids and to your kids' kids. This is the key to doing well in life. And then we go to verse four. And it, and it seems like Moses has shifted all of a sudden the focus. We're focused on the commandment. And now we have uh, this verse. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then we go back to the commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Uh, I, I can almost just picture the Israelites like hanging on every word. And then we get this shift in focus to who God is. And again, Moses has spent pretty much the entire first five chapters talking about this almost like he's interrupting the flow a bit. And then he goes back to the commandment. You know, why, why would he do that? Well, we can't just skip over verse four. It wasn't an accident that Moses said this. Uh, this, this verse is just as important as verse five, as the great commandment. And it states that God is one. What does that mean? Now, obviously Christianity is a monotheistic religion. We just believe in one God. Uh, so, it, so it means that, but there's something deeper going on here. What this is saying that is that God is unique. He is totally unique among anything else in the universe. I mean, there's nothing like God in, in, in the whole universe. And we know this to be true from scripture. I mean, what other thing can you think of that created everything? God is very unique. What other thing has all knowledge, all wisdom is always loving. There's nothing like God. So then why would this be placed right before the great commandment. Why would be, this be so important that Moses makes sure to check that everyone was hear, uh, hearing and paying attention? You'll hear, O Israel, making sure that no one missed this part. Well, think about, just for a second, think about what this commandment actually asks us to do. We're called to love something with everything that we are, 
heart, soul, and mind, all of it. You see, only God is worthy of such a love. And that's why verse four is there. It justifies the gravity of this commandment. This is a very, very uh, heavy and weighty commandment. Um, And only God is worthy of such a love. You see, Moses understood what we need to understand. The key to loving God is knowing him. That's where this starts. And not just knowing about him, knowing facts, having this vague picture in our minds of what he's like. No, knowing him personally, like Jeremy talked about last week in our talk on knowing God. Look how personal the wording is here. It's not the Lord, the God, the Lord, a God. No, it's the Lord, our God. There's a personal relationship going on here. So why, why should we love God? Well, because of who he is and how he acts towards us. You know, it's really easy to love God when you know him and when you look at just who he is. I mean, just think for a second of the gospel of this perfect, holy God created us and we reject him. Uh, We wouldn't even exist if he didn't want us to exist. It's quite a thought, isn't it? But rather than honor him and worship him, obey him, we decide to go our own way. We decide that we know better and we sin. But instead of just leaving us to wallow in that forever, ultimately experiencing death, the wage of sin, uh, he sends Jesus to live a perfect life on earth, uh, take our punishment for us, dying on the cross, and then rising again that we may be restored to God and have eternal life if we have faith in him. Now, that, that's a, a, an amazing God. Uh, how could you not love the one that gave up everything for you, even when you didn't deserve it? Well, verse four here, it's not, a, it's not a pause. It's not a sidetrack. It's, it's actually critical to the great commandment. It's impossible to separate loving God from knowing him. And as we get to know God more and more, loving him makes perfect sense. So why do we need to love God? Why are we commanded to love God? Because of who he is. He is one unique among all the universe. So with that in mind, we can then look at what does this practically look like in life? You know, what does it look like to love God? Um, Again, it may be kind of hazy in your mind. What does it actually look like? Well, if you want to know how you're doing in this, if you want to know how you're doing with loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, there are two questions you need to ask yourself. And the first question is, am I obeying God? Jesus tells the disciples this in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very straightforward. There's not much else there. Uh, If you love me, you will obey. It's not the most romantic idea of love. This isn't based on a feeling. Um, If you love me, think fondly of me. That's not what this is saying. No, if you love me, obey. And I think if we're not careful, I think it is easy to read this almost like it's a, a threat or if it, God or Jesus was like kind of wagging his finger at us. You know, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. I see you over there. You know, you say you love me, but you're not obeying. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, this word obedience, it's not a word we like to hear, is it? Uh, you might be a little nervous thinking about this, like, oh no, God is just gonna take away all my fun and God is just out to ruin my plans. And I think we've, uh, we've equated in our minds this idea that following God and obeying God means being miserable. You know, maybe I don't wanna love God if it means I have to give up certain things in my life or change certain things in my life. But I will say this, if you are 
feeling that and struggling with that thought, uh, you have to go back to the why. Remember, the key to loving God is knowing God. And if you know God, you know that God wants an abundant life for us, not a miserable life. You know, God wants us to be filled with joy. God wants to free us from the, the bondage of sin. God, who, who knows everything and designed everything, designed reality, he knows how everything works, is also all loving. And so when he tells us to obey, it is because he really loves us. It's kind of like when you were a kid and your parents told you not to play in the street. Now, did your parents say that because they were thinking, I really hate it when my kids have fun. So I don't want them going in the street because I'm just going to steal all their fun. Hopefully not. <laughs> I think they were probably thinking something along the lines of, I really hate it when my kids get hit by cars. And so I'm going to tell them not to go out in the street. And you know what? God is doing the same thing here. Sin is just like an 18-wheeler truck barreling down on us, waiting to devour us and destroy us. So God in his love for us tells us, obey. You know, he wants to protect us. He wants to provide for us. He knows how everything works and has given us guidelines so that we can live the abundant life that he really wants for us. And I think one of the greatest tricks that the enemy uses in our life to, to get us off track is getting us to think that in some way, following God and obeying him is a, a burden in some way. Uh, maybe you felt like this when we've been talking about being a laborer, like, oh no, like we have to serve people. We have to share the gospel. Like, like it's a chore, another thing on our to-do list. And like, oh man, this is it's like, it's a burden, but uh, the Bible is very clear on that. In first John chapter five, this is one of my favorite uh, verses. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Obedience leads to joy, not being miserable. Obeying God is in no way a burden. Now, is it easy? Uh, no, it's not always easy. Uh, maybe rarely is it easy. Uh, you may have to give up certain things. You may be called to give up certain goals, change your way of thinking. There may be some things in the Bible that go against everything you grew up believing. Um, but you know what? If you know God personally, this unique God that, that we get to know, you've seen that he is trustworthy. He doesn't command us just because he commands things because he really loves us and he will never let you down. You don't know him. You can't love him. You can't obey. Think about the context of this uh, John chapter 14 verse for a second. Jesus here is talking. Um, and on the next slide, I think I have it. Jesus here is talking to the disciples when he says this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, he didn't just walk up to a random group of people that he never met and said, hey, I'm Jesus, obey me. That wouldn't have made sense. Uh, the disciples knew Jesus very, very, very well. In fact, Jesus has spent the last three years intimately showing the disciples who he was every single day. And in fact, this, this statement happens at the Last Supper. So even just right before this, Jesus has washed their feet. He said the very famous line, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus has just constantly been showing the disciples who he is. These large displays of his character and just showing them that he was God. And then so when Jesus tells them this in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I, I really don't think it was in the, the finger wagging tone, like I'm watching you. I think this is more of an encouragement. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see, the disciples knew Jesus. They knew he was trustworthy. And so for them, obedience made perfect sense. If we really knew God, I think the same would be true for us. I think it'd be a lot easier to obey him and trust him. 
because that's what loving him looks like. And not in a not in a general way. Yeah, I'm a reasonably good person. I go to church. I do all these different things. But taking his commandments seriously, and, and even when it's difficult, looking specifically where are the areas in your life where God is calling you to obey in certain things. Now, at this point, you, you are probably thinking this sounds very easy in theory. Uh, in practice, it is, it is not. It is difficult. Well, if we keep reading, you see Jesus doesn't just lay down this statement and not say anything else. He actually goes a step further and promises us some help in verses uh, 16 to 18. This is what he says. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And what Jesus is saying here is he's, he's promising us the Holy Spirit. Uh, God doesn't just leave us alone to, to fend for ourselves and try to obey him without any guidance. No, he gives us the spirit to really help us in this. Very uh, gracious of him. I'm very grateful for that. And, and what you find is it, this is actually a cycle. As you obey, you get to see more and more of God's heart. You get to learn more and more about him and see why he says certain things. Look what he says in uh, verse 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him or show myself to him. You see, as we follow God, as we obey him, it becomes easier and easier to do that because we get to see more of his heart. We get to know him better and see that he's never really let us down so we can obey. So if you are evaluating, do you really love God? Are you loving him with all your heart, soul, and mind as Jesus has commanded us, as Moses has commanded us? Uh, ask yourself that first question, am I obeying God? And if not, I'm sure there are some areas where you will find that you are not. Uh, take a step back, get to know him more, see that obeying him makes total sense because of who he is. That's going to take us to the second question now. And the second question you will want to ask yourselves is, am I loving other people? We see this in 1 John chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Second way we practically love God is by loving his kids, loving other people. There's some very strong language in this passage, you know, you are a liar, you know, very, very forceful there. I love that word there. Uh, but it does make sense if you can't even love someone you see and, and, and are able to touch and, and tangibly serve, like how could you possibly love the creator of the entire universe? The person who is, as that song said, literally holding you together. How could you possibly love them whom you haven't seen? And I think if we if we think of, take a little step back and think about this on human terms, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, recently, I got to hang out with Jeremy and his kids. Um, now, I really love Jeremy. I can't see you on my screen, but Jeremy, I really love you. Uh, you mean a lot to me. And I would not be here without Jeremy. Uh, when I even before I was a Christian, he came alongside me to to help me uh, to share with me. He really loved me. And and, and after becoming a Christian, he's he's only done that. Um, as well, really um, cared for me. So 
as a result of that, I really do love his kids. I don't know his kids as well as I know Jeremy. I don't have lengthy conversations with Corey about different things. Uh, but but when I'm around them, I really do love them and, and have fun, you know, playing with them and uh, yeah, just being with them. Now, if I just said the same thing, if we rewind one minute and I said that same exact thing to Jeremy, this wonderful heartfelt moment we just had and followed it with, you know what though, I really hate your kids. Uh, I think they're, you know, idiots, I don't know. I, I don't think Jeremy would be sitting there thinking, wow, Eric really loves me. That, that's, as long as he loves me, that's all I care about. No, Jeremy would, I think, thinking I'm a liar and would be rightfully questioning if he loved me, if I loved him at all. And he'd probably punch me in the face, which would not be good because Jeremy is stronger than me as well. well you know, with God, it, it, it is the same exact way. Um, every person you see God created, every person you see God loves. In fact, every person you see exists because God wants them to exist. Even people who drive us crazy, even people we overlook, uh, everyone. And so we demonstrate to God that we love him when we love the people that he loves and the people that he created. And once again, this is tightly coupled to knowing who he is. Take a look at what it says a little earlier in the chapter in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There it is, knowing God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. All goes back to that why. You know, knowing God is the anchor for all of this. The gospel, it says it right there, it's the anchor for all of this. God is love and gave his son for us. Why should I love other people? Well, because God loves us. He loved us first. He is love. I don't have it up there, but it's, it's, it's as Romans 5, 8 says, he even loved us while we were still sinners. You know, for all of our ugliness, God loves us. And if God loves everybody, even people who routinely dishonor him, uh, after he created them and loved them back. Uh, surely we could love everybody too, right? Now, again, I will say easy in theory, hard in practice. Uh, but take a look at what John says right after this. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Once again, we have the spirit to help us in this. We need the spirit to help us in this spirit of God really guides us in, in loving others and, and loving in a way that God loves as well. Um, you know, and again, I think as, as we put this in practice, uh, we'll see more and more of who God is and his heart for, for other people and, and how he loves, um, and more and more our hearts will grow the same way. So again, ask yourselves, am I loving other people? I have a pretty good exercise that I've used myself that has really helped uh, uh, evaluate this in my own life. I do it from time to time. I would recommend that you do this um, before you go to sleep tonight or maybe tomorrow morning. Uh, spend some time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, specifically verses 4 through 7. I, I have them up here. This is the, the love chapter and describes what love looks like. Now, this is how God loves. God is love. Um, and so this is what we're called to do in interacting with other people. It's this long list, you know, patient, kind, does not envy or boast, 
Um, so before you go to sleep tonight or maybe tomorrow morning, make a list just of all these qualities, patient, kind, envy, boast, all these different things. And then go ahead and write next to those uh, traits, maybe the names of different people who you haven't been kind to or who you could be kinder to, people you've been arrogant around, people you've been rude to. Uh, and just make a list of all those. Take some time, pray through that. Again, the spirit will help you uh, bring, bring things to mind, but take some time thinking through that. Uh, I, I usually have at least one or two things for every single thing on this list. It is very humbling, I will say, to, uh, to do this, um, but it's also very insightful and gives, gives you a lot of, a, um, one, a lot of reasons to be grateful for God because he loves us like this, but also a, a lot of reasons just to uh, pray and, and adjust your thinking and your attitude and clear up relationships. Um, so, so I recommend you do that because it's been helpful for me. Um, so as, you're, so as you're assessing this, as you're thinking, am I really loving God? Am I loving him with all my heart, soul, and mind? As Jesus says, ask yourself those two questions. Am I obeying? Am I loving others? And as you think of things where you're off, I'm sure we will all have areas where we're off on that. Take a step back. Remember who God is. Get to know him. That is the anchor for all of this. He is trustworthy. You can obey without hesitation. He is love. He loves all people you can love all people too. And that's what I've really been doing in response to this challenge I got from the spirit uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, and this is what has happened as I've been looking at this. Uh, I started off by working on getting to know God better. Like Jeremy talked about last week, uh, having a quiet time is, is uh, very helpful in this. So I've been continuing to spend time with God. Uh, I do it in the mornings, just reading my Bible and just praying before that God just helped me to get to know you a little better uh, this morning. And uh, I have, like, I, God has led me to uh, plenty of different verses that, that have um, shown me more of who he is, particularly for, for whatever reason, uh, about him being a giver. Um, and then I found out what that reason was, because two, two or three, actually, opportunities came up in the next few days for me to give to different things. Um, and I will say that is an area that historically has been a struggle for me. Uh, just uh, the act of giving uh, beyond what I'm already giving. You know, I, I enjoy personal finance. I enjoy investing. Uh, now that I'm married, I have this timeline that I, I would love to buy a house and, and just all these different things that uh, I'm, I'm thinking about financially. And I enjoy thinking about that. It's not necessarily wrong to think about that. But God brought up these areas where I could, um, where there were some needs I could fill by giving financially. Um, and I really did wrestle with that for a while. Uh, but then all of this kind of came to mind. Uh, you should love God more, and loving God means obeying him. Uh, so I decided to, to give. Um, I remembered back to my verses and, and what I was reading, seeing that God was a giver. There's this one uh, particular verse that has been just kind of seared in my brain <laughs> recently. Uh, it's not, I don't have it on a slide, but 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was poor, yet for your sake, or though he is rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. You know, Jesus was a giver. And if I want to really love God and obey him, I need to be a giver too. Um, so I did. I gave. Um, and you know what? I am, I am glad that I did because now I can say when I say that I love God, at least in that area, I'm not a liar. Uh, I decided to give regardless of what it meant for my uh, future finances and timelines because that's what God wanted me to do. I um, mean, later, you know, one of the people I gave to said he was very encouraged 
uh, by my giving. And, you know, I, I'm very glad I obeyed. I really did experience uh, a, a, a larger glimpse of that abundant life that God has planned for me, specifically for me, and uh, got a glimpse of his heart as, as he is a giver too. And he's given a lot to me. So that was very helpful. I've been working through my first Corinthians chapter 13 list, uh, clearing up some attitudes and, and looking at some certain things. And it has been very helpful. It's been giving me clear, better relationships and a better thought life as I thought about relationships, which has been very nice. I feel like I've been more genuinely loving people the last however long it's been, a few weeks. Um, so when the spirit challenged me to love God more, at first I was, I, I have no idea what that is. And now I do, you know, and I, I've taken that uh, challenge seriously, uh, rather than just shake it off and think, well, I, I'm a, I've been a Christian for so long. Surely I love God. I, I, I think I, I think that's enough. You know, I, I've, I've actually looked at what are some specific areas where I am not obeying? Where are some specific areas where I am not loving others? That is what God loving God looks like doing those two things. And so I'm grateful that instead of being content with this general understanding of what loving God is that I've instead of reminding myself of what scripture says it actually is, and then taking steps with the help of the spirit um, to, to address that and change that. Uh, my answer to, do you love God is a lot clearer, I think, than it was a few weeks ago. And you know what? I, I think I've been a, a sharper laborer for Christ. You know, I think I'm in a better position today than I was a few weeks ago to really uh, glorify him and live life in such a way that others may live as well. Um, it makes sense to me now why a few weeks ago the, the spirit brought that to mind because there were some areas where I was a little off. So, you know, I, ch I challenge you tonight, uh, this, really take this seriously and evaluate in your own life. Are you loving God specifically for you? Are you obeying him? Are you loving others in your own personal circumstances with what God has called you to do? Um, and if, if the answer is no, and I imagine for everyone here, there will be some areas where your answer is no on that. Uh, you know, take that before God, get to know him better, remind yourself of who he is and, and use the spirit as your guide to, to making things right. Um, and I think you will experience what I've been experiencing, just more and more of that abundant life that God has planned for us. And not only for us, I think it also is going to put you in a better position to glorify God in your life and, and share his love with others. Now we're going to talk about glorifying God a little more next week. Uh, so for now, let me pray for us and then we can, uh, have some more worship. God, we thank you uh, for who you are, that you are unique. Uh, there is no one like you, all loving, um, so kind and just uh, worthy of our praise, Lord. I, I pray, God, that you would help us to just love you better. And I pray that you would personally speak to each person on this call, specifically on what that looks like for us today. Um, and I pray that you really help us with the spirit to, to, to make changes. Thank you so much that uh, you are in the process of changing lives and that is, uh, and you're in the business of redeeming us to yourself. So Lord, uh, we do love you. And I pray that you would just help us understand what that looks like even more tonight. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you're doing. I pray all these things in your son's name. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can subscribe to and listen to new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you heard, leave us a rating interview on iTunes. It helps us reach others with these resources. Once again, you can learn more about us at uscchristianchallenge.com or find us on social media at USC Challenge.